Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Vertical Street Ventures, where we talk to top experts and seasoned investors to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and a written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Welcome back to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. My name is Peter Pomeroy and I am your host. Today we have Casey Christensen with us. Casey jumped into real estate in 2014 when he rented out his townhome and house hacked a single family home. His real estate journey evolved from there and in 2020, he completed his first out-of-state investment. Quickly after, he built up a portfolio of eight units all out of state. In 2020, Casey and two partners founded Fortified Equity and have already closed on their first deal. For the past 10 years, Casey has worked at a foreign exchange brokerage. Casey, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome to have you. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's get into, like, just for context, your background, mm-hmm. and then also maybe you can explain what you do, because I like I understand the words, but I don't really understand, like, what it all means. <laughs> sure. So anyway, yeah, if no, you can get no. into it, that'd be great. Yeah, happy to do that. So quick background on me, and then we can come back to anything you want to dive into deeper. But I grew up in a small farm town, graduated from high school, went on a two-year mission uh, for my church, came back, went to college, met my wife got a degree in finance, went into the corporate world. As you said, I've spent the last 10 years in the FX, which is foreign currency exchange. I work for a company called GPS Capital Markets. We're a brokerage firm. So we operate a lot like a bank. We help corporate clients. Generally, we have a niche of mid-sized corporate clients that we help manage all of their FX needs. So that's anything from just paying vendors who are in a different country, repatriating funds for sales. But we also go deeper with some proprietary systems that help them hedge like their balance sheet exposure when they have, you know, when they hold um, assets in a different currency than what their home currency or their corporate headquarters are at. Um, We have one with cash flow hedging options. And I work on the trade desk. So all of that funnels down to me. So it's a pretty analytical role. We're watching, paying really close attention to, you know, what the Fed is doing, what's happening between different central banks, fundamentals of one country compared to another. And so, yeah, I've been there for the last 10 years. It's been a great company to work for. Um, On the real estate side, as I mentioned, so around 2014, I jumped into, you know, shortly after getting out of college, my wife and I decided we wanted like a piece of the American dream, wanted to buy a house. So we were able to get into a townhouse with $0 down at the time. After living there for a couple of years, I wanted to get into a house with a bigger yard and had read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so that got me more interested in real estate and also got me thinking of how can I afford something rather than can I afford something? And so we didn't really have a lot of money at the time, but it was how can we get into a house with a bigger yard? But because I read the book, I also wanted to keep our townhouse as a rental. So there was also a secondary question, how can we do that while also keeping our townhouse as a rental? And I had the thought of um, maybe if we bought a house with a rental component, like a basement apartment or accessory dwelling unit. And and so that kind of gave us one avenue of how to get into a bigger house without 
increasing our costs too much. And at the time, my dad had some money he was looking to invest. And so I pitched him the idea of, hey, what if you buy equity into the townhouse? And I could use that as my down payment for the new house. And so he went for that. And, you know, we moved into the basement of our house because we could rent out the upstairs for more. And we were still a small family at the time. And so we started renting out the upstairs and the townhouse. And after a couple of months, like it was like this light bulb moment for us because we were getting these rent checks. And we're like, oh, this is like the easiest money I've ever right. made in my life. Right. Like this is so amazing. And so I really leaned in. Like it's it's actually working. <laughs> exactly. It's it's incredible. <laughs> So I really leaned into real estate, went down the educational side, took like an apartment underwriting course, um, an apartment guide, you know, started networking and was trying to find something here in Utah. The cash flow just wasn't there um, like I was hoping for. Let me pause for a sure. second, yeah. but don't forget Absolutely. where we are. You're we're okay. leaving off for a minute is you wanted to invest in Utah, your own backyard. Sure. I want to re- rewind a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got like the system going. I mean, it's driven by I want a bigger backyard. And then you're like, but I've read this book and it's like better for me to keep, you know, the existing home and you're solving for that. And then you do solve for that. And how did you realize there's, you know, these educational platforms online, there's a thing called syndication. Mm -hmm. There's this whole world out there that like, I might want to investigate. How did you even know that world existed? Yeah, honestly, I, I kind of stumbled across like a bigger pockets podcast. Like I didn't really even know what podcasts were that much, but okay. I had I don't even remember how I came across it, but I started listening to that and then I'm like, oh, there's actually like a whole site, like a bigger pocket site. So I got onto that and that kind of kicked off the journey. So I got into like sure. I read like the ABCs of real estate investing. I read like one of Brandon Turner's books. I, you know, I just and then as I listened to more podcasts, I started hearing this word syndication. And I'm like, what is that? Like, like I keep hearing it mentioned, but I don't, right. I don't know what it means. And so that kind of led me into like Google searching syndication and who syndicates and how do you syndicate? And it really resonated with me, just like this, this ability to leverage your time, you know, and to raise money from other people and help them get, you know, the returns from investing in real estate. And that made sense. But also like the economies of scale that just resonated with me having worked in the business world, like understanding you have to have systems and processes in place to scale. Right. And so it just kind of, you know, started really with bigger pockets and then kind of evolved from there, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and part of the reason I ask is around 2015 or so, I was a, like a junior partner for, you know, these two people, and I was redeveloping an apartment project for them. It was 23 units. I don't think that they were executing particularly well, but I didn't know up from down. So like, I didn't know. It was a syndication. And I think they're breaking all the rules is my point. And But I didn't know it was a syndication. I had no idea that it was called, a, what I was doing was called a syndication. Yeah. And then fast forward, oh, I went to some meetups in mm. San Francisco. This was like maybe just before the pandemic. And there was a guy named Neil Baba who spoke. And I, saw, and I thought, oh, he's an interesting, I really like him. And I almost went out to these meetups out of like kind of boredom and curiosity. And then that's how I like learned the word syndication. And it's kind of like, once you learn the word syndication, what that means and is involved, like the, your one's progression, mm. you know, kind of get going. Yeah. So going back, you're, you know, you've maybe taken some online courses, read some books, you know, the, what syndication means. And now you're like, okay, well, that makes sense for me to look in Salt Lake or, you know, Utah area, yeah. Salt Lake City area, Utah, take it over from there. Yeah. And so, like I said, I wasn't 
able to find anything that cash flowed. I didn't feel like I had the experience to try to raise money from anybody, lacked some credibility that way and confidence as well as a real mental block. Even though I had taken some courses, I felt like I could do the underwriting. But I had met an individual at a meetup that was buying apartments and I wanted to learn what I could. So I had reached out to him several times like, hey, can I do anything for you? I'd really like to learn. Like, I'm willing to just give you my time as much as I can. He had me do a bunch of market research on like 12, 13 different markets. And one of the markets that I did research on was Columbus, Ohio. And I had found like, oh, like it has some really solid fundamentals. It's got a lot of population growth and job growth. And but the price points are so much lower. Um, And so when I took him that market research, he gave me some positive feedback on it. And that gave me a little bit of confidence to be like, oh, maybe I'll you know, maybe I'll reach out to someone in Columbus and and try to start forming some relationships there. I met a real estate agent. He was phenomenal. just really well connected in the area, really knew it, had like referrals for general contractors, property managers, like all the things you would need to kind of start building a team. And so I ended up buying just like this piece of crap duplex that was just really run down, just in the worst need of renovation and decided to do a burr on it, which is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and then repeat. And so did that on my first real investment, what I felt like, you know, where I wasn't something I had lived in and then bought. That took like a lot longer than I thought it was going to. It took like a year to do the full renovation. It was right during the pandemic. You know, I started it in like May of 2020, but it, it worked out. I ended up being able to pull 90% of my money out of, of that project, catapulted that into like three more deals in Columbus. And let's pause for a second. So yeah, let's yeah. talk about the capital stack for that first duplex that was like, we'll just call it a very heavy bold underlined value add were you you know getting debt and putting debt on it how did that, what did that look like yeah that's a great question so to back up i we decided to sell the townhouse because we were kind of hitting that two out of five years if you live in a place for two out of five years you can sell it with no capital gains so we sold the townhouse which gave us a, a certain amount of capital we did split that with my dad since he had bought equity into it. Right. But where we were living rent-free in our basement, we also had a really high savings rate. And you know, once I knew I wanted to invest in real estate, we were started to really save a lot of money. So we had a big chunk of money saved specifically to invest in real estate. Um, also at that time, they had the CARES Act, which was enacted because of the pandemic. So people whose income were hit during the pandemic, they could take some money out of their 401k without paying a penalty. Um, there was still like taxes if you didn't pay back the funds over like a three-year period. But I kind of decided like, hey, I'm going to just take some money out of that um, since my income had taken a small hit during that time. And I used... So it was kind of came from a few different places. It came from savings. It came right, from the right. of something. And again, it was just like asking that, how can I... Because it ended up... You know, I was thinking it was going to cost about $120,000 to renovate. It ended up costing like $150,000. Right. And so it was just figuring out, well, how can I make this happen? And I kind of turned inward rather than going to people for money at that point in time. Um, Just with what I felt comfortable with, I wanted to make sure that I had proof of concept that this strategy actually worked. And that was where the capital stack came from to get that project done. Okay. So do you think you have very little debt on this property in terms of like your total cost? At the beginning of the year. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So from my perspective, like I'm thinking... You know, GKC, that was really smart because 
you didn't have debt risk, right? So like if the business plan, you know, it's a heavy value add, it goes from 130 to 150, maybe you have trouble getting tenants in it, there's a pandemic going on. Was that part of your calculus that, hey, there's less risk, like, you know, I can weather, like, you know, I can put all the cash in and if the property's value goes down, well, that's all on me, 100% on me versus on me and a bank. Was that part of your calculation? Yeah. I mean, because getting rehab money for like banks don't really love those kind of projects. And so a lot of times right, you're going right. with like hard money, which is, you know, has a right. couple of points and plus really high interest rates. So I would have been much more hesitant taking on, especially for my first time, but knowing that it right. is my capital, I've saved it up. That definitely played into having the confidence to take on something like this. Right. And I knew it was right. a risk, like, especially per- during the pandemic, there was a lot of things that went wrong. And if I had owed like a hard money lender, that would have been a much more terrifying. It would have compounded the problem. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of pulling out these lessons learned. Mm-hmm. And all right. So then you finished the renovation, it's occupied, and then you did a big refi on that. And then, then what happened, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in your investment story? Yeah. So, and that was the other thing I think I made, felt a little confident is I knew what after repair values were based on like, like the comps my, my agent had given me. So I knew like, okay, worst case scenario, this is probably what I could sell it for if everything went wrong. And that also gave me some confidence because I'm like, I could at the very worst get all my money out. Right. Right. But I think I ended up being into the project about 225,000. It appraised for 305. And so I was able to pull out, you know, about 205 or $210,000 or something like that. So I pulled out the majority of my capital that I had put into it. So now I kind of have this capital back. I had tenants. It was renting really well. It was completely renovated. And I learned so much through that, but also like it took so long to do it. It was really hard to manage from afar. I had multiple like yelling matches with my general contractor during it. And it kind of like, just, I said, you know, I love investing. I love what I've learned through this and what like pulling 90% out. That's like a proof of concept, but trying to manage it, working a full-time job, I decided I'm going to go for something that I can burr over time, if that makes sense. So I can buy it. It has a value add component, but I can do it over like a year while still getting income from the property or two years and then maybe refinance capital out of it later. So I was able to buy three more duplexes that were in good areas that that were had value add components to them. And then that's when I met my partners who I've actually known for a really long time, found out they were buying real estate in Little Rock, Arkansas. We started connecting, talking more about how can we partner up? You know, we wanted to work together. We ended up finding a a 15 unit apartment complex in Little Rock, Arkansas. We decided to joint venture together. So I ended up selling one of the duplexes that was in a little bit rougher of an area and it had appreciated so much in that one year that I owned it, that it just made sense to sell that. I took that money and put it into the, the 15 unit in Arkansas. And then we decided you know, we wanted to help others invest in real estate. So that's when we formed Fortified Equity and decided to start looking for bigger deals. At the same time, we also joined a mentorship program through Vertical Street Ventures. You know, they've had so much success that we wanted to to leverage that and have kind of that expertise and knowledge looking over our shoulders when we did take on our first syndication deal where we're raising money and helping others invest passively into real estate. And it just made a lot of sense to us. And so that's kind of where we're at now. Excellent. So this is great. So let's talk a little bit about, so it's in Little Rock, the 15 unit building. 
Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like describe the property, you know, when you bought it, what your business plan is, you know, is it a value added property? Mm-hmm. You kind of give us some color on that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a class C property. It's in a really good part of Little Rock. It's really close to the hospitals right across from like the zoo next to a shopping mall. It's got some high rise apartment complexes around it. You know, it's owned by an out of state group. And I think they'd owned it for a while and were ready to get out from under it. There was some really low hanging fruit actually with like the value add side of things because the current owners or the owners that had it before we bought it were paying for like all the utilities, like all the expenses. It's actually 10 residential units. And then there's five retail prop- uh, units on the lower floor of the property. All on the ground level? Yeah. So on the ground in the front, you have five commercial. Right. And then on the back side of the main floor, you have five residential. And then upstairs, you have five more or sorry, 10 Oh yeah, five more uh, residential. So a total of Got 15, it. five commercial. You know, they weren't, they were paying like all maintenance, all utilities, everything for the property. A quick value add is we were able to come in and uh, start a rubs program, which is where you, it's like a ratio utility building system where you pass on the utility costs to the tenants. Right. Also like on we, a pro rata share, right? Yeah, exactly. And then we also had the commercial tenants all sign a triple net lease. So not only were they responsible for, for their portion of the rent and utilities, but also for their portion of insurance and taxes and, and those kind of mm-hmm. things as well. And any updates they want to do, they're responsible for. So... All right. That's brilliant. I want to hit pause. Yeah. Because so, I have a background in office product and the triple net, you know, is a terrific lease structure. But my question is, I mean, I would have been a little nervous thinking, oh, I've got these, you know, commercial tenants and I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to apply, like they're going to be paying a lot more, like the expenses and you can call it rubs and it's not rent, but you know, their total cost is going to go up. Yeah. How did they accept that? Like, what was the, any issues or were they like, oh yeah, it's about time. That's what's common in the market. For the most part, that's exactly what happened is they, right. they were probably pleasantly surprised they had been able to get away with what they had for mm-hmm. so long. And so we didn't go in and like jack up rents, like right off the bat, right. you know, they were probably a little under rented. We decided passing off the utility and the expense side, we wanted to get that done first. And so we had one of the commercial units that kind of gave us some pushback on it. And she ended up accepting that that's what it was. I, I'm sure she started looking around one, like a lot of times these commercial places are designed to fit like their business and what they're trying to do. And these are all like healthcare type facilities, like beauty salons, right. tanning salons, those kind mm-hmm. of things, you know, a hair place. And, and so they kind of have the setup unique for their businesses. So moving it is a very challenging thing do finding like a space that is so close to like right. where all the shopping and everything is would have been really hard at the same rent would have been really it hard. Is a big cost. And so I think, you know, she gave us a little pushback at first, but once she kind of looked around, I think it became pretty apparent like, oh, this is actually not a bad deal. And she has been great ever since then. Like she just pays on time and we have no problems that way since then. So I think the, they, they don't great. like to hear the news like, oh, well, I've been operating this way for so long right. but when they look around like, oh this is just how the market sure. is and and then they kind of capitulate to that to state the obvious what's like terrific about that low hanging value add piece there is that whatever that those dollars are you know you apply that to whatever the market cap rate is and your property has just increased you know in value like yeah quickly what do yeah. you guys think like you're in the salt lake area right yeah provo and so what do you guys think you're like how does it work i mean you have experience investing in columbus 
you know, clearly out of state and your like point of entry into Columbus was a heavy value mm-hmm. add. Yeah. So it's almost like you went into like a very intensive boot camp of, you know, investing out of state. If, from my perspective, how does it work investing in Arkansas? Like what's your competitive advantage, do you think? Yeah, that, that's a great question. One of my partners lives in Little Rock, in the Little Rock area. And so he's kind of of our boots on the ground he really knows the area knows like where the pockets of growth are kind of where like where to stay away from what areas to be looking in which is which is a huge competitive advantage he can also go down to the property if needed and in better vet like property managers when we're doing renovation stuff he can be there and so he's kind of our asset manager okay boots on the ground guy uh he's incredibly sharp and then we have my other partner who lives in vegas he's kind of our investor relations and then i oversee like the acquisition so i'm calling you know brokers and lenders and trying to source deal flow. So. That's great. So now you got me thinking about your team. And so you mentioned that you knew your partners from a missions trip prior. And I guess the, the overarching kind of theme of this question is, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, who want to be on a team, build a team. And, you know, it's, it's tough to do it because it just is, you know, people, you're, it's, it's people, people are mm. difficult. So yeah, Absolutely. Like your team, I mean, you mentioned that like, it sounds like each of you have like kind of a lane that you're kind of focused on, like functional area that you're focused on. You know, when you think about your team, what, like, what is it that has like helped you guys be successful? You know, and it could be as broad as you want, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah. you guys are getting momentum. Mm-hmm. What is it? I think a lot of it is that we're really aligned in what we want to accomplish with this. So we share very similar values. And I'm not even talking about like, we obviously share some religious values together. But even beyond that, just like how important family is to us, how important like our time is to us and having financial freedom. We want a similar outcome uh, with investing in real estate. We all want to achieve that financial freedom. We want to help others recognize like the benefits that come with owning real estate and that you don't have to invest actively. And we've seen these incredible benefits from investing in real estate ourselves. And so now we want to bring that to like other people. And so we're really, we feel like we're really aligned. We want to give back as, as soon and as often as we can and build something that is, is bringing value to other people. And so having those aligned values, I think is like, is what really helped us feel comfortable in working together. I mean, we all have different backgrounds. I'm, I'm a finance major. Devin is, you know, he's a PA. Um, so he went through, you know, medical school. And then Anthony has his like master's in marketing and business intelligence. And so we kind of have a diverse background as far as like where our strengths lie. And we all, because we all want the same thing, we can take like the short-term lumps knowing like, Okay, but in the grand vision, this is what we're hoping to accomplish. And I think that keeps us from, you know, having too much dissent amongst each other and working towards a Right, right. You've got a purpose and vision that goes beyond like, you know, that day, that week, that month, that quarter, even that year. It's you're Mm -hmm. kind of focused on the same goal. All right. So the kind of the last like little like topic to touch on is you'd mentioned earlier about raising capital and you weren't ready at the time. And it sounds like you didn't need to in the end, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's now three of you, you just bought, you know, a 15 unit property and I'm sure you've got your sights on buying, you know, more properties, bigger properties, et cetera. How are you viewing raising capital? Mm -hmm. Does it give you concern? Are you excited about it? Are you anxious about it? And what's your like kind of gut when you think about it? We need to raise $3 million. 
Like, how does that feel? How does your stomach yeah. feel when I say that? All of the above, all of the above right. for me. You know, that's never been my strength, which is part of the reason why it falls in Devin's um, purview. Right. Is he's so good with people. He's so good at connecting. He studied psychology. He like understands the sales process. He feels very confident and comfortable. Um, so it's really good to have him in that role. We all feel a need to raise capital, though. That's like a part we're all taking on. And so we are setting KPIs, sure. which are like, hey, we got to post once a week, at least on social media to let people know what we're doing. And it's been really cool to see the kind of responses we've got in the little that we've done, you know, but also creating like putting a getting a CRM, you know, that's like kind of been top of mind for us is like right now we we've been tracking things on a spreadsheet. And so we're trying we've been looking at like HubSpot and you know, some of these other CRMs, active campaign and whatnot, and trying to get lists put together and writing content. And, you know, so we're building the infrastructure and the systems right now to be able to do that. For me, raising capital probably always will feel a little nerve wracking. And it's, you know, it's not my strength. My strength's the right. numbers, the business plan, the acquisition side, some of the, others, right. the importance of it. You know, I've been much right. more active and engaged with letting people know what I'm doing and not in a weird sales pitch way, just you right. know, like, yeah, I invest in real estate. I've received some incredible benefits and it's really changed my life for a positive and it gets people interested in, in a more organic way is what I'm hoping for. And we have had positive outreach that way. Like, oh, cool. I'd like to hear what you're doing and how we can invest with you. Um, and so, yeah, we're not even really sure exactly how much we could raise, to be honest, you know? Right, right, right. Well, I, I have a feeling you guys will be very effective, very effective at it and look forward to hearing how that goes. All right. So last, you know, kind of last two questions, and they're usually a little bit unfair, but you know, that's how it goes. In a couple sentences, you know, what will fortified equity have accomplished in two and a half years? Yeah. Just a couple ideas. What will you accomplish? Just a couple of things, but they have to be specific. Yeah. So in two years, we will have 50 million in assets under management between the Northwest, Arkansas, Little Rock, or Utah markets. We will be generating solid returns for our investors. And yeah, I don't know if that's... <laughs> that's great. That's great. So now we have okay. something to come okay. back to. All right. And then last questions. Last question. In a couple of sentences, what will Casey Christensen have accomplished in five years? In five years, I... Uh, yeah. Or where will you be? It's very broad. Yeah. Five years. You've got five years. I will be financially free. I will be helping others invest passively in real estate to get to, to get to replace their income or to pay for their kids' college or to pay for family vacations. I that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I see myself. That's so great. I'm, honestly, real estate is top of mind for me, and so that's where I see myself for the foreseeable future. Casey, thank you for coming. Those are good questions. Yeah, Those are hard yeah, to think. That's good, <laughs> and we can come back to them. It's fine. Casey, yeah, thank yeah. you for coming on the show. If listeners would like to get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, yeah, so I'm most active on LinkedIn. If they want to reach out to me there, Casey Christensen, or they can email me at Casey at FortifiedEquity.com. Or I'm also, I'm very happy to take a phone call or text message. And my phone number is 801-615-1960. So people can reach me there as well. Terrific. And for those listeners that would like to connect with me or be on the show, please feel free to reach out by email peter at verticalstreetventures.com or reach out on LinkedIn. And as always, please consider subscribing to the show. And if moved, please leave a five-star review so we can continue to have terrific guests like Casey Christensen share their insight with us. And with that, 
I thank you for listening and wish you all a terrific week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Subscribe too, so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to verticalstreetventures.com. If you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with our team on the website. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.